Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right, welcome back to the New Work Revolution podcast here on NewWorkRevolution.com. This is, as always, your host, Brandon Allen, and I'm excited to bring you another fantastic business podcast this week. And I want to talk today about leverage. I haven't talked a ton about leverage recently, and I thought now would be a good time to talk about utilizing leverage in our business. Now, in the realm of the actual definition of leverage, there's a lot of different terms. You can think of a lever that you can use to move something uh, that's much bigger than what you're capable of, which I think in this case could be appropriate when we talk about business. But in the financial setting, it's really about taking a resource and utilizing that resource for the purpose of magnifying your financial gains. So when we talk about leverage, that's what we're talking about. Either one of those definitions really is, is appropriate for what we're going to talk about today. And when I think about leverage, you know, I really think about a lot of the business owners that I work with start out as kind of a solo uh, solo person. They're a doctor, they're a coach, they're a consultant, they might be a home builder, whatever it is. They always start out in a small realm where it's just themselves or maybe one other person and we're always faced with the prospect of having to grow and expand. Now, when you're someone who is you know, is responsible for doing all the work, which is a lot of my clients. I work with a lot of service-based businesses. And in that work, we get paid when we're with someone and we're doing the work. That's how we get paid. Now, initially, that's fine. But as time goes on, we start to kind of create a dependence and a mindset based on the way I get paid is if I'm meeting with someone or I'm working with someone in my realm in a one-on-one capacity. That becomes the, the realm with which we operate in our business. And so I want to talk about leverage today because we kind of because we start our business like that and we create like that, the reality is is that we are we, we make a high profit margin, through our efforts, but our our ability to generate revenue is capped because as the number of hours in our day continue to stay flat and we fill those days, our capacity to earn flattens out as well. There's only so much money we can make if we're always trading time for dollars. And it's really hard to get out of the time for dollars mindset as a business owner because to expand and grow means that we have to spend money. And that means our profit margin likely is going to shrink. And it's really, it's really hard because, you know, there's as, as rugged individualists, people who are just dead set on doing it themselves and kind of going their way and being the sole uh, generator and, and producer in your business, there's, at some point, the wheels start to fall off of that model. And I don't know, I've been faced with this a ton recently, and so maybe this is why this is on my mind, but I've worked with a lot of different doctors or other business owners who 
unfortunately became seriously ill. Heart attack, stroke, you name it, crippling back injuries, whatever those issues are, where it really severely limits their ability to produce value. Now, if you don't have any leverage created in your business and you're the go-to person to create the value and something happens to you, you're done. That's it. And what happened in a couple of these scenarios, and I was on the other side of this negotiation, was that they had to offset and sell their business. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is they're in a position of extreme weakness and they're selling their business off for pennies on the dollar because they realize there's no way that they can do business at the same level and pace that they have before because of the health issues that have come up. And this is going to happen to uh, a lot of business owners, right? At some point, you're going to have something that happens, something that comes up that allows you to not be able to create value as a as a technician at the same level that you could. And, and, and when we're faced with that, now we're putting ourselves in a pretty exposed position. And the problem with a rugged individualist is that a rugged individualist, someone who wants to do it all and is afraid of expanding and what that looks like, operates from a paradigm of scarcity. Typically, they look at everything that they spend on their business as not an investment, but an expense. Every employee is an expense. Every marketing dollar they spend is an expense. And the trouble with that mindset is, is that mindset is so limiting. And when I work with someone who's in a scarcity mindset, that, that same model applies to our coaching. Every dollar that they spend with me is an expense. And they never see the return on investment because they can't. They're so worried about the dollars that they're spending they're not seeing the growth and everything else that's happening in their business as a result of that. And at some point, your business is going to be faced with the prospect of keeping things as they are or expanding to the next level. And expanding to the next level is going to probably mean spending more money. It's going to be spending more money on probably more equipment, more people, a bigger space, you name it. You're going to have to spend more money in that expansion. Now, not all expansion requires more uh, capital in other ways, but a lot of times it does. So now you have to make a decision. Do I do that or do I step back and just continue to do what I'm doing? And this concept really comes to light in the VC world. So when people are trying to raise money for you know angel investing, venture capital, you always get founders who are worried about giving up ownership in their company. And look, you should take that seriously. But the problem is, is they're worried about, look, um, you know, look, 100% of zero is zero. But if you get someone who can get you to the next level and you have to give up 25% of your company in order to make that happen, look, I would prefer to have 75% of $5 million than 100% of zero. But again, leverage is is really hard. I mean, there's a lot of founders in in a startup company that they have a little they have a hard time giving up capital and ownership position in their company because now they see what they're giving up in the short term, but they're not recognizing what they're gaining in the long term. So as we're talking about your business, I want you to think about your business as the ultimate investment strategy. And if you're listening to this call or listening to this podcast, 
and you don't think about your business as the ultimate investment tool, then I want you to go back and kind of re-examine that. Because your business is going to provide a rate of return that's far better than any 401k, IRA, any of those things that you can possibly invest in. So people always ask me that are business owners, where should I invest my money? Well, gosh, why are you not investing your money back into your business? Uh, Now, you can invest in those other investment vehicles, and I'm not qualified to talk about that. I'm not a registered investment advisor. You should seek advice and counsel from from someone there on on your stock portfolio. But... um, your business is going to provide a fantastic rate of return, and it's something that you have control over and knowledge of. So it makes sense to invest in that. So there's a few areas of leverage that I want to talk about that we're going to go into. And so the first thing is time. If, if we want to be excellent people and business owners of leverage, people who utilize leverage at a high level, time is the number one thing. And why is time the number one thing? Because if we get time wrong, a lot of other things can happen at a, at a huge level. And time is the only finite resource that we have. We can get more money. We can get more space. We can get more equipment. We can find more people. What we can't get is more time. We've only got so much time, and we've got to choose wisely what we do with it. So the question is, how do you want to use your time? So I always have an activity inventory that I have my clients do, and I always have them list their top five activities. And I'm never surprised when their top five activities are very technical-oriented. They list the technical things that they do. The problem with doing that is it misses the complete point of the exercise. There's things that you do that bring value to your business that are bigger than the just the technical work. So, for instance, if you're a dentist and you're just really good at the technical work, the question to ask yourself is, why are you so good at that? Or if you're a dentist and you're really good at communicating care and influencing people, then the question is, why are people so influenced by you? And I would argue that influence, rather than your ability to educate, is one of your top five values. Or if you're someone who's very technical-oriented, maybe attention to detail is something that is a top five value, you know, top five value producing activity. Your ability to really dig into the details and and figure out how A, B, and C work and sequencing that whole thing. So think bigger picture. You know, what are the top five things that you do at a high level within your business? So I look at things like in my business, influencing is a huge thing. If I can get in front of a cl- crowd, if I can educate people in a workshop, I'm at my very best. Um, but if I'm if I'm scheduling people um, for appointments, as as many of you may already know, I mean that's not my forte. That's why I hired someone to handle some of those detail things that really are not my strong point or things that I'm best at. But it's important not to I, you know if I list one of my top five uh, activities, I could say coaching, and I wouldn't be wrong, but I probably would be limiting myself. What makes me good at coaching is that I ask good questions. So one of my top five value-producing activities in my business is asking good questions. And I can use that not just with my clients. I can use that in partnerships that I build, education that I create. That's something that's bigger than just the work that I do with the client. So when you're thinking about your top five activities and how you use your time, make sure you're using it in a space that allows you to really bring out what you're best at and the skills that you're best at. So if you're a dentist, your top five skill isn't 
placing a crown. It's why are you good at it? What is it about you and your makeup that make you good at that? So as we're talking about time, think about what you're best at, but don't think so small. Think bigger picture in terms of the little activities that you're good at. Why are you good at them? What's the overarching theme that you can draw from that will point you not only to be good at that, but good at other things? Because here's the reality. If you're, let's say you got your hand bitten off by an alligator um, and you're a dentist, which is a really stupid example, but that's just what came to mind. I think I must have watched Happy Gilmore recently. Um, sorry, Chubbs. But, you know, if your hand, if you lost your hand, what would you do? What would you do if you couldn't do what you're doing now? Understanding your top five activities at a bigger picture philosophical level allows you to understand. What else you can do? I don't have to be a coach to create value. There's a lot of different things that I can do with my skills and abilities beyond coaching. Coaching just happens to be one of the outlets that my purpose is a conduit for. So think about time and how you're utilizing that, and are you spending it in what you do that you're very best at? And in the bigger picture you can look at, the more you don't have to be in the care or the technical aspect of the work that you do, and the more that you can get bigger picture and grow from the bigger picture. So think about how you're using your time. Are you intentional with your time? Do you plan? Are you working on the business? Are you setting boundaries for how your time is utilized? So time as a leverageable resource. People is the next one. How you utilize people in your business is critical. So delegation is one of the things that I talk about a lot because delegation is one of those things where I think a lot of times we delegate tasks, but we don't delegate responsibilities. So for instance, I've got business owners that I talk to that they say, hey, the only time my employee sends out the newsletter is when I tell them to. Well, what's the problem with that? Look, if you have to tell your employees what to do all the time, and it's always, hey, go do this, hey, go do that. What a waste of time. Why waste your time doing that when you should just do it yourself? So a lot of business owners say, well, gosh, I'm better off doing it myself. And I say, the way you delegate, you're right. You are better off doing it yourself. Because if I have to tell people to move every single time so they'll move, that's exhausting. Who wants to do that? I don't want to do that. You don't want to do it. And guess what? Your employees don't want you to do it either. They want more responsibility, so now you need to figure out, how do I let go of the reins so that I can give other people more responsibility and empower them at a high level? If we have people that are empowered, now we can get from point A to point B much faster because we're only capable of doing so much. So the whole, the whole focus of leverage and using a lever, people are a lever. Two people can do more than one person. If we're strategic and we're smart about it, but a lot of times two people equals like half a person when we're all, when it's all said and done because the way we do it is so screwed up. So leveraging our people effectively is critical, and don't waste. And, and here's the other thing. So beyond delegation, there's one other point I wanted to make with this, and there's thousands that I could make from accountability to training and all these things, treating employees like assets, creating a great culture. There's a lot of things around people that I could talk about, but I like to keep my, po my podcast relatively short, which I think you appreciate. But 
With regards to people, here's the other thing that we do. We waste time with the wrong people. And so what I want to say here is if you want to create leverage with people in your business, stop wasting your time with losers. Now, what is a loser? A loser is someone, number one, who's negative, someone who's, a, who's an uncommitted complainer, someone who always wants to complain but never has a solution, someone who's not growing, someone who doesn't accept responsibility for their failure and take ownership and promise to change, someone who's not growing, that is a loser. I just talked to a business owner. They've had an employee for 15 years, pain in the ass, complainer, culture killer. They kept him around because the person is really invested and volunteers at a high level outside and does a lot of good. And I don't think that there's anything wrong as an employer from seeing the good in people. I mean, we should see the good in the people that that work for us, but sometimes that can be to our own detriment. Just because this person is Mother Teresa outside of your business, but Donald Trump inside of it, doesn't mean that you need to keep that person because of what they do outside of your business. How they perform in your business is what matters. Hey, if they have those other intangibles outside of it, that's great. But I want people who are growing, who have a positive attitude, who are supportive, who are culture builders, not culture killers, and they are committed complainers. Committed complaining is basically saying, look, I'm complaining about this, but here's my solution. I'm recognizing the issue, but I'm also not standing in it. I'm actively pursuing solutions to those problems. So that's people. People is leverage. Money is leverage. So when I talk with business owners, I ask them some simple questions. Do you budget? Do you do financial analysis? Do you look at your reports? Most of the time, the question is no. But when I budget, what I'm doing is I'm being a good steward and I'm utilizing my resources to the fullest capacity. And sometimes success is one of the worst things that can happen to us with our financial management because we take for granted where the money goes And what happens? So we overspend our money. We piss it away. We don't keep it in the business. And I'll tell you this. I'm not an accountant, and this is just education and information. This is not tax advice. Go seek a CPA or or accounting advice for this. But I hear accountants all the time tell small business owners to move all of their cash out of their business because of tax ramifications. But the reality is, is if you're set up properly as an entity, you should be able to keep money in your practice without having to worry about the tax ramifications of keeping that money inside there. And quite frankly, as a business owner, we want to build our balance sheet. We want to have some cash reserves, not only for emergency purposes, but also for expansion. So money is leverage. I don't know how many times I've talked to a business owner who can't buy a new building, can't buy equipment because they can't afford it. And you look at their profit loss and and they make great money every year. No money to speak of in the business. Can't do anything because they don't have any money. And here's the thing with money. And this is a question. And, and, And maybe this resonates with you, maybe it doesn't. But how can you transcend merely having a business that just exists so you can collect a paycheck to something that you utilize the money strategically to create massive value in your marketplace? That's a million-dollar question as a small business owner because we've all been there where we create a business that provides a paycheck so we can live, and for most of us, it provides a pretty darn good paycheck too. But at some point, we've got to transcend the fact that, look, the money just flows to our personal lifestyle, and our personal lifestyle increases while our business lifestyle 
stays relatively the same. How can we be more strategic and hold some of that money back and utilize that for expansion and improvement in the future? I mean, look, if you own a building, at some point you're going to want to renovate it. Something's going to need an upgrade. Equipment needs to be upgraded. Computers crash. Are you prepared for these things? And look, you can go out and finance things, and you should finance things if you can get good terms. But if you can't get good terms, it's nice to know that I have cash that I can pay if I need to. And I can use that cash as leverage to get the best terms. So if a bank knows I've got cash to pay for something, they're much more likely to approve and give me good terms on financing. That's, that, is a, that is an absolute fact. So how can you use money through budgeting, planning, and, and really taking every dollar and being intentional with every dollar that comes through your business? If you did that, what would the results be in your business? And the last area of leverage is basically kind of uh, threefold. It's equipment, education, and uh, space. So how can we use these things more productively? How can, you know, I don't know how many times I speak with a business owner who's purchased training or education in a certain area in their business, and it just sits there unutilized. What a waste of money. In fact, I don't know how many people have paid top dollar for my coaching who've never used it. I mean, I've got people out there, I will admit it. If they told you they coached with me, they'd tell you it sucked coaching with me. Now, what they won't tell you is the reason why it sucked is because they didn't use it. And there was, there's tons of people when I first started coaching, when I wasn't good at screening people like I am today, that utilized my coaching and, 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 or paid for my coaching and didn't use it. Frustrating. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars of unutilized coaching that for whatever reason they were too busy, not prepared to use, or whatever. I mean, what a waste of money and what a waste of an educational opportunity and also an opportunity for accountability, which it sounds like, look, if you're too busy for coaching and you pay for it, you probably need the coaching more than most people. It's like the people who say, Brandon, I can't come to your workshop. I'm too busy. I'm like, damn, it sounds like you need to get to this workshop right away. This is the exact workshop that you need to go to at the exact right time. Super confusing for people when I say that, but some people get it. They say, man, you're right. I'm coming. So how can you use your education effectively? Do you have things that you buy that you don't use that could make your business better? How could you be more strategic with that? How could you be more intentional? People buy buildings or rent space all the time, and I go into their office, and I'm like, what a waste. Every dollar per square foot should be spoken for in your business. There should be a specific purpose and a use, but I see empty rooms, unutilized rooms. How can you utilize those rooms effectively? Either sublease them out, do something with them. And if you can't do something with them, find a space that's more in line with what you need. Don't waste money on space in a building that you don't need. And I don't know how many times I see a business owner waste money on space that they don't need. And I would say it's at least half the business owners that I work with. I walk around their facility, I look around at it, and I think, empty room, empty room. Big space where they just pile a bunch of boxes and shit because they don't know what to do with it or where to put things. And equipment is the same way. I have people who buy equipment that can help their business, and equipment that could be revenue generators that just sit there because there's no plan, there's no strategy on how to leverage that. 
So don't buy equipment or education that you're not intentionally going to use. And a lot of times when we talk about education, we always say, well, I'm waiting for the right time to educate myself. And here's the rub. There's never a good time for transformation. Growth is inconvenient all the time. There's not a convenient time to grow. If you're waiting for a convenient time to grow, good luck. Growth, just quite frankly, is an inconvenient event. It's painful, it's introspective, it's uncomfortable, and that's why it's called growth. So if you're waiting for that perfect time for the heavens to open up and for a unicorn to deliver you some time that you can work on some coaching, um, good luck with that because it's not going to happen. And that's something that sometimes we waste time for. We're waiting, you know, we buy something and we're waiting for the right time to use it, but the right time never comes. We have to be the captain of our ship and say, listen, I'm going to dig in and I'm going to use this effectively in my business. So hopefully that's helpful as we talk about leverage. Remember, as you grow and expand, leverage is about return on investment. If I hire someone, is there a return on investment? If I buy a second location, is there a return on investment? And I look at this, look, if I buy a, a, a second location that's, that's providing me a decent return on investment, I want to do that. Those are things that I want to do. If I can buy a building that's going to provide some return on investment, if I'm a real estate investor, investor obviously I'm going to do that. The same thing is possible with education that we have, um, equipment that we buy, all these different things, money that we utilize. We can use that for return on investment. We want to be wise stewards of those things. But if you create leverage and you understand that leverage is about multiplying your financial situation, and that doesn't mean that it doesn't shrink our profit margin to a certain degree, but what we're trying to do is expand the revenue that's coming in so that we have more dollars flowing into us. Now, it may not be at the same margins, but it, it can, but we're having more dollars flow in, but here's the kicker, with the same amount of effort. So if I ask someone, look, would you like to make more money with less effort? Most people will, first of all, probably think I'm full of shit, but when people understand that's what I do, I want you to make more money with less effort. And I explain to them how they do, how we can do that and what that looks like. Now they raise their hand and say, you know what, I'm in. That makes sense. Let's do it. So think about how you can leverage, you know, leverage and create leverage in your business more effectively. Are one of those assets that we talked about underutilized? Time, people, money, equipment, education, space. What is it in your business that's underutilized? How can you utilize it more effectively? And let me tell you this. If you need help with these things and strategic planning, I'm your guy. Hit me up at newworkrevolution.com. Send me a message. Fill out a form. We'll get in touch. We'll talk about what that can look like for your business. So I want to thank everyone for listening this week. This is Brandon Allen from the New Work Revolution podcast. I'm signing off. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.